We've all been significantly affected by the coronavirus, and while we're sensitive to the unfolding health and economic situation, we're also aware that life must go on and business must continue. We will eventually come out of this thing, and in the meantime, Fox Agency will continue to bring you world-class interviews from the biggest B2B brands in the world, discussing their biggest business challenges and how they work with agencies to help solve them. We hope you and your loved ones are safe and well, and we hope you enjoy our latest episode from Francois Martin, Senior Marketing and Communications Manager at Bobst. Enjoy. This is Client Side from Fox Agency. Hit it! That's what I'm talking about! Wait! Okay now, from the beginning. After 30 plus years working across multiple selected industries promoting new and transformational products and solutions, Francois's current focus is on communicating industrial innovations that enable BOPS to do new things such as increasing packaging production agility and reducing waste generation. With a big focus on all things sustainability and responsibility, he is currently accelerating the digital transformation in the packaging industry and evaluating how BOPS brands and converters can take advantage of them economically in a sustainable way. Francois Martin, welcome to Client Side. Yes, so the, the packaging industry is transforming, uh, like every industry, by the way. And uh, we believe that uh, connecting machines, digitalizing uh, printing and converting processes, and uh, also automating the entire workflow related to packaging production will enable brand owners and converters to, to build a more agile and a more sustainable packaging production. And that's what they are all looking at. So the world, it's not about uh, doing things uh, in huge quantities uh, anymore. It is about doing things, answering the, the real customer needs, uh, where you need more versioning, you need uh, to do things last minute, and obviously you need to do things in a more sustainable way. Fantastic. And I'm really looking forward to drilling into all of that in a lot more detail because your history and background is absolutely fascinating. And Bops as a, as a company are doing some fantastic things in, in the space as well. Just before we drill into those uh, questions about your background and, and Bops, we're obviously in the midst of a, a health crisis globally at the moment uh, and an ongoing sort of economic crisis on the back of it. And every business is dealing with the fallout from the coronavirus. How is BOPS dealing with the challenges of the health and uh, financial crisis at the moment? Um, talk a little bit about how you guys are responding. So two, two questions, I mean, two points in your question. Uh, so the health uh, of the employees is priority number one. So we have put in place specific measures, and they are all different depending on the countries. So Bobst is operating globally. So the situation in Italy, where we have uh, two big facilities, is probably the most dramatic one, obviously. But we are also now entering the phase where we are uh, putting the production facilities to their minimum, on the French side of Lyon. The same will happen with two facilities in Switzerland. So we, we want to 
reduce the production to its minimum. At the same time, we want to provide our customers with spare parts and service because some of our clients are producing food, some of them are producing pharmaceutical goods, and and they need to be available. So we we are doing all what is possible, respecting uh, all the preventions um, that need to, to be provided. So we are working on it every day, and we have uh, daily calls to monitor what's going on, and we hope that it will be uh, soon. Uh, in the near future. And after that, probably there will be some financial tension in the system. Mm -hmm. But eventually, the humanity will find a way to deal with the financial tensions because the life has to continue. Well said. And just a word on the opportunities here, because even though there's a tremendous amount of disruption happening across the world in every industry right now, uh, there are still opportunities that exist that it's creating for businesses that are willing to sort of lean into these challenges and actually see uh, the hidden opportunities that are there. Um, talk a little bit about what some of those hidden opportunities are. You know, it may be opportunities of working from home, seeing family more, etc. I mean, for me, I mean, uh, with all the experience I, I made over the last 30 years working in different industries, <laughs> the, the only good benefit of, of that crisis, it is that suddenly you realize that you have been attending so many useless meetings <laughs> that you, you made so many complicated uh, discussion topics mm -hmm. where at the end of the end, things can be simplified and things can focus on... Uh, what matters the most. So this is for me the, the, the learning also from colleagues. We, we understand that sometimes we try to complexify things where um, it's not needed. Really good point. You, so let's talk a little bit about your background because originally you're from France. You've held senior roles in companies such as HP, Messe, Dusseldorf, and now Bobst. Uh, which have all taken you around the world from Budapest, Israel, Switzerland, and Germany. Tell us how you got started in the global marketing industry. So, very quickly, um, because I like to, to be traveling, I like, I like to speak uh, foreign languages, and uh, so I, I moved into uh, European roles uh, fairly soon, at the age at, at 30. And, and then... Um, I have been relocated by different companies. Uh, you mentioned HP, but also Michelin, the tire manufacturer. Mm. Uh, they, they took me in, in global roles where you have to, to, to plan, you have to bring cultures to work together, and um, you have to communicate to, to clients. So that's where I have been uh, operating uh, the last uh, many, many years. And it is all about orchestrating communication. And it is all about bringing clarity to make sure that uh, everyone understands what has to be done to communicate well the value proposition to clients. So that's what I have been doing uh, in short over the last many years. And of course, 
depending on the products you, you are selling or you are promoting, uh, the communication and the marketing mix is, is different. Hmm. Well, in, in researching for this podcast, um, Bops, it's, it's probably one of the biggest companies that people have actually never heard of. You've got over 5,000 employees, over 1.5 billion pounds in, in revenue. Talk about some of the, pro- the main problems that you help your clients solve and what's your role and responsibility within the company? So our, our customers, they are what we call packaging converters. They, they are the one manufacturing all the pouches the labels, the boxes that you are touching when you go shopping. Mm. So that's what they do every day. And the quantities are huge because we consume every day and we consume across the globe. So these packaging converters, they need to acquire equipment um, to produce their boxes, let's say. And once they do that, they want to pick the best supplier and, and they need machines operating 24-7. They, they need to understand what is unique in the machine they buy. And in that sense, Bobst has a lot of experience and we are helping uh, our customers to choose the, the, the best solution for their needs. And, and my job is to communicate what is unique uh, from Bobst and uh, to convey our value proposition so that people understand, okay, if I buy a Bobst, that's uh, what I will get. Interesting. So you talked about communicating the added value to customers as to why they should choose Bobst. What makes you different to other global competitors that are on the marketplace? So I think that the main reason is that First of all, Bobst has always been in packaging. Uh, for more than 130 years, we, we have been wow. dealing with, with packaging. And uh, we made some, some meaningful innovations, and we continue to do so. So we have experience and credibility. But we are also listening to the customers very well, because the world is changing daily. And um, we, we are listening to their needs, and then we are adjusting the equipment to make sure that the machines they buy are flexible enough to cope with all the different type of jobs that they need to produce. And what makes Bob's probably very unique among all the suppliers, it is something that can't, you can't buy. This is the, the integrity and the responsibility towards employees and customers. This is something that is unique within Bob's. It's a family-owned company, fairly big. Um, but it, it has great values and uh, all the employees have, as a consequence, passion for the clients and passion for the products. So when you buy a Bobst machine, it is the perfect machine. It has been uh, designed, it has been produced, it has been installed in the most professional way. So mm. that's the reputation we have and we want to keep it Um that makes Bobst to be unique. Talk about some of the biggest challenges the company is facing today, apart from the impending coronavirus, which is dominating every single news channel uh, and email inbox. Talk about some of the main challenges Bobst is dealing with. So the, the biggest challenges in the industry, in the packaging industry, if you summarize everything, at the end of the end, you have only two. The first one is called agility, 
And the second one is sustainability. So agility, what does it mean? It means that a client, a brand owner, uh, any company from small to, to very big, they, they come to Bobst and they, to, they come to a converter and they say, hey, I need that type of box or that type of pouch. I need that uh, in two weeks from now and I need one million of them. Hmm. And then I also need these and I also need that. So you need to be able to produce very quickly what is required by your client with the highest quality, obviously. So you need to have machines that can easily uh, be adjusted to your client's requirement. And 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 around sustainability, this is now a big deal. Everything that is plastic related, mm-hmm. uh, our customers are asking us, hey, how can we move away from plastic sure. or how can we re- produce recyclable uh, plastics. So that's the, um, the big deal today. Uh, um, and that's what we are working on. So we are developing new machines and we want to communicate the benefits of, of uh, all these uh, new machines that we have. Really interesting. So you talk about sustainability. Um, and as you said, more and more consumers are calling for a reduction in their packaging on food which has really led supermarkets across the world, really, to reduce and in some cases actually totally remove plastic packaging from all of their food products. That must have a fundamental impact on the business. How, how has it affected you and, and, and how are you talking a little bit about how Bob's is responding to that? So plastic is, um, is effectively a hot topic. The, the fact is that half the plastic we use or we produce they are really useful because they are protecting uh, food or they are protecting specific liquids, uh, drugs, and so on. And there is nothing else than plastic to do it better. And, and for that, we are working on new type of plastics that can be recycled. Because the problem of plastic is to have it going through the recycling sure. chain. And the other half of the plastics... They can be replaced by carton. They can be replaced by um, corrugated boards. Um, so today, we, we need really to have brand owners and consumers, to a certain extent, to take their responsibilities. They need to, to make sure that we use plastic only when there is nothing else to be used. Um, so until now, we have been using plastic because it's very convenient, it's very light, it's very cheap, it's very easy to produce. And then when you go shopping yourself, you will see that in some cases, it's not logic to have a plastic package uh, around the goods. So the entire industry is now looking at that problem. And what we do within Bobs, we are working on what we call, it's a little bit technical, mono-material type of plastic so hmm. you know the pet bottles pet so the hmm. pet you can recycle because it is only one type of polymer but most of the plastics it is made of two layers of uh, polymer but they are not the same type and that means that it is not designed for the recycling chain so what we are working on now it is what we call mono material plastics hmm. and once they are mono material with the proper security barrier, uh, then you can put them in the recycling chain. So that's what we are working on. We made some announcements recently, and we hope that in 2021, 
uh, we don't hope. I mean, in fact, in 2021, we will have new machines capable to process uh, new monomaterial plastics. Mm. And that will be a major change uh, towards sustainability. Well, we definitely wish you all the best with that. And it's definitely a hot topic at the moment. And more and more consumers, as we discussed earlier, have an awareness of the damage that we're doing to the planet. Uh, and I'm sure there'll be increasing calls from organizations across the world to increase their sustainability efforts across the board. Let's talk a little bit about choosing and appointing agencies, because you must have worked with many agencies from around the world uh, from your time with HP, uh, Michelin, and now with Bops. Um, and obviously, you're a client of ours, Fox Agency. Talk a little bit about what you feel, in your experience, makes a good client-agency relationship in the first place. So you're right. I mean, I have been working with many agencies, definitely some better than others. And my learning, it is that the, the type of, when I am looking for an agency, I need an agency that is easy to work with, and an agency that is listening to my needs and not selling me what they can do. And I need an agency that is reactive and flexible because business is never a straight line so that's the key things that i'm i'm looking to to get from an agency easy to work with really listening uh, reactive and flexible so for some of the most pressing business challenges that bobs is dealing with at the moment what sort of agencies are you working with and what sort of agencies really are helping you advance and achieve your toughest business challenges to date? So today we are working with uh, two main agencies. Uh, one is what we call a strategic uh, agency. They are more advising us on strategic directions, but they are not dealing with the implementation of anything. They, they are giving the long-term view of uh, what should be done and the main messages that we should convey. Mm. And um, that agency is located in, in, in Zurich, in, in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. The other agency we are working with is, is uh, Fox, is you. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it, you and the other one, what is unique, it is that you are specialized in B2B. So mm. it's uh, we, we like to select B2B type of agencies because we are selling... Uh, expensive goods uh, in a B2B uh, way. Uh, we, we prefer small, medium-sized type of agencies. Um, and we want these agencies to, to, to listen to us and to understand what is specific uh, to our business. Because when you are in packaging, uh, it is not something that everyone is aware of. So that's the type of uh, agency that mm. we have today. And the combination of a strategic agency and and then uh, an agency for, let's say, all the rest, all the day-to-day -day, uh, activities, this is a great combination. Really interesting. So you talk about the fact that you like to work with small to medium agencies. Why is that as opposed to working with the larger, e either larger independent agencies or larger networked agencies? What is it about the smaller to medium-sized agencies that you really like working with? So 
my, my experience, I worked for very large agencies in the past, mm-hmm. huge agencies. The, the huge agencies, of course, they are capable of doing great things. But I, when your business is, is not huge, when you're not in with consumer goods, mm-hmm. um, the big agencies, the, the main problem I was facing is that, first of all, the, the staffing is changing all the time. So every three to six months, uh, there is someone changing in the team. Mm-hmm. The second thing is th- you are never big enough as a client to to get the, the best people. So they you are coming and you are the second choice always. And third, the big agencies, of course, they can deliver great things, as I said, but they are very costly. Hmm. They have huge infrastructure costs. I mean, we call them these uh, high street type of uh, advertising agencies. <laughs> sure. we, we, we know them well. We know their names. Um, but for B2B, I don't see them being relevant. Hmm. Uh, of course, I don't have experience in, in B2C Um but I would really recommend um, B2B companies to, to work with smaller agencies. It's uh, m- much better. So, so when it comes to selecting a, an agency, let's say you put out a brief and a number of agencies respond, and then it gets down to the final two or three agencies to choose from. Now, uh, to a certain extent, they all have strong capabilities. They all have strong c- strengths. Maybe they specialize in B2B and there isn't really much differentiating them when it comes down to the final uh, two or three. What, in your opinion, really makes the difference as to why a chosen agency is chosen and not chosen? So the, the agency for me that is going to, to be selected is uh, the agency that can show me what they did, so they can show me good campaigns that they have executed, but it is also an agency that will provide me with an operating model that is, for me, easy easy to understand and easy to to connect within my own team. So that's, uh, that, that's very important. Um, not only what they do, but how they do it. And then, of course, Pricing-wise, they, they need to be uh, reasonable, but this is not the main issue. The main issue is really more how can I um, engage with them every day um, in a smooth and uh, repeatable uh, way. Things need to be simple because mm. agencies, they should not make my life more complicated. <laughs> So it's important for them to show you, that's really interesting. So it's important for them to show you an operating model of how they are going to work with you and manage you really upfront in the pitch process. It's That's where they need to communicate what the working relationship is, is going to be like. Is that what you mean by that? Yes, correct. I mean, I, I want them to give me a methodology. Hmm. I want them to help me to do my brief. I, I want. I don't want them to be too bureaucratic. Uh, I want really them to to facilitate the discussion between the client and the agency. Because the more we talk, and specifically the better we talk, it has to be a structured discussion, then I will be able to provide a good brief. They will understand my brief. 
they will uh, ship it back to me. I will check it. We are aligned. And then we start working. Mm. And then if there is something not working, um, then they tell me as well. I have experienced sometimes working with very big agencies and they almost tell me, Francois, I know nothing about your business, but I'm going to tell you how to manage it. Hmm. And that's not what I want. I sure. want someone listening to my needs and um, really uh, engaging every day uh, to make sure we are always, always, always synchronized. Hmm. Let's talk a little bit about working with agencies because one of the common frustrations that agencies commonly share is that the client expects the agency to learn everything about them, the way that they work, their operating models, etc. But when it comes to the other side, the client doesn't really spend that much time learning about the agency, their charging models, the the business model, etc. Talk about what's important for the client to know in order to get the best work from the agency? So the, the agency has to to be easy to understand basically who does what. You need to have a simple interface between you and the agency. And so once I understand who is doing what, who is receiving the brief, mm. who is um, my day-to-day contact, to whom do I give feedback if I'm not happy with something, uh, if it is all well-defined, it is really helping. So the agency obviously has to learn how to work with the client, but it is more important to have the client understanding the agency. Uh, Because most of the time you have bad, you you don't have so many bad agencies to be Mm -hmm. honest, but you have poor clients providing Mm -hmm. poor briefs. Briefs. It did happen in my own team. Mm-hmm. I had uh, team members in charge of a campaign, and when they did the brief, it was not clear. They did not even knew what they wanted, uh, and then then a, a poor brief is generating a, a poor campaign. And then when you have a poor campaign, you blame the agency. Sure. Uh, and this is the the vicious cycle mm. that that you need to to break. But in that scenario, Francois, shouldn't it be the responsibility of the agency to push back on the brief if they don't feel that the brief is good enough or it, it it's clear enough? Surely a good agency should interrogate the brief and uh, sort of go back to the client if they feel as though it's not as clear as it should be. No, absolutely. This is what I expect from an agency. It's to seek for clarity. And clarity is a word that I'm using a lot with my team, uh, but also with agencies. When things are clear, then on both sides, the client has made a clear brief. He knows what he wants, which customer cluster he's addressing. He has clarity on his own product value proposition. Everything is well articulated. He is delivering a clear brief. The agency is is learning from it, is acquiring the data, the information, digesting it. And then the agency play back what they understood. At that time, we need to say, yes, we are fully synchronized Mm -hmm. on both sides. And then the work can start. So that step is critical. And... um, as I told you before, bad briefs, lack of understanding, partial understanding is, is generating uh, major issue issues for the future. Let's say a, a, a client or, or an agency 
you're not working with a particular agency at the moment, but they know that if they work with you, they can deliver tremendous value to you. But for one reason or another, you're just not aware of them. They're not on your radar at all. But they're a really technical, really strategic, very good uh, agency, and they can add value to the business. What's the best way for an agency like that to actually get on your radar and add that value to you? It's a difficult question in the sense that you should not change agency uh, as often as you change socks. Mm. So <laughs> you, you you need to to stick to the agency you have. You need to to find a good uh, working relationship. Mm. But for me, an agency that will convince me to try something with them, mm-hmm. they they will come. They will show me what they did for another client. They will come to me with. Uh, a very well-defined operating model, mm-hmm. as I told you before, and um, they, they will start to work with me on a small project, mm. uh, and then as as we will go, we, we we will invest with them as we go. Mm. So we start with one project. The project is is in fact shaping very well, and then we go to the next project, and then to the next project, and. When I started working with with you, Fox, in fact, it started a little bit like that. Hmm. I remember uh, some some years ago the first project where you did a very, very good job. Hmm. Uh, And then I was convinced, okay, oh, yeah, this is what I want. Hmm. Uh, And then we have been uh, working together uh, much more. And uh, we we are now working as uh, partners. You talk about the fact that uh, clients shouldn't change their agency as often as they change their socks, which I, I love. I'm going to write that down and use that again in future. But we know that client-agency relationships don't last forever. In fact, there's a increasing amount of, of turnover. And sometimes, actually, that turnover and churn is actually healthy. Talk about some of the reasons why clients end relationships with, with their clients and what can with their agency and what can agencies do to defend that? So what I have seen uh, over the last uh, 30 years, it is that when there is an agency change, there are many two reasons and only two. The primary reason is that you work with someone you trust and someone you like. And each time there is a management change in the company, let's assume there is a new CMO, Hey, the new CMO is typically looking at sure. having its own agency. Sure. He likes to work with someone he knows from the past. And then he's asking for an agency change. Mm. And and most of the time, if he's new, he will, he will replace someone. And that someone had already a good relationship with the agency. Things were smooth. They designed their own operating model. And then suddenly there is a new guy. He's not used to that model. You have some tensions in the systems. And boom, the guys say, you know what? Let's do uh, a tender and let's go to a new agency selection. That's the main reason. The other reason is if you have a big, big crash. So the agency is becoming too arrogant hmm. or the client is becoming too arrogant and then you you have a clash where people don't don't fit together M- my observation is that you don't have bad agencies you don't have bad companies you have sometimes human relationships that do not fit 
Mm. And um, so this is why the operating model mm. is so critical. Interesting. Because, because it, is, is that because it doesn't really matter, as long as the operating model is strong, it doesn't really matter which individuals you have, they can really change, but the operating model stays the same. Uh, people can come in or out of that operating model, but as long as the operating model stays strong, that's the thing that gives you confidence that the agency can continue to deliver. Am, am I putting words in your mouth or is that a fair assessment? Yes, but the operating model is very often also linked to individuals, to oh. people. And uh, you need the operating model, but you, you also need the people that carry the operating model over. So sometimes you have individuals they are simply not good at, mm. at uh, working uh, with the clients or the client is not good at working with the agency. I have seen that many times. People in my team, they came and they say, Francois, I cannot work with that agency. <laughs> and then at the end, I was wondering why. And mm. it was sometimes just that these two guys, they don't fit together. And uh, that has been for me a big surprise, and this is why it's important to to choose the the, the right people into agencies, and uh, to not to not have a too big turnover mm. where people are always in a learning mode. Mm-hmm. Um, so when agencies uh, have uh, let's say some experience, they they typically adjust to to the different clients they they face. Mm. That's a really interesting point, Francois, that um, sometimes the the individual on the, the account manager on the agency side and the, and the uh, brand manager on the client side, they just don't get on for whatever reason. And that sometimes can lead to a breakdown in the relationship. What, what's your approach to communicating things that you're unhappy with with an agency? Because often, if an agency knows about that ahead of time, they can change that person they can do things to uh, mitigate those challenges, but but often agencies find out about those things a little bit too late. Those conversations tend to happen behind closed doors with the client, and the agency doesn't know about them those issues until it's too late. What what's your approach to communicating things that you're unhappy with with an so, agency? So for me, an agency, it is not the agency and me, and we are in two separated worlds. For me, the agency is an extension of my team. And I am I like to provide them with feedback all the time. When they do good things, I tell them. When they do bad things, I tell them. When I don't understand something, I am asking questions. But I do that on a daily basis almost. Because it's not they did that, I do that, it's not, uh, it is, we are together on the same boat. So if they fail, I fail. If I am not expressing myself properly, they won't be able to deliver a good job. So the proximity between the agency and the client has to be very strong. And we need to be on both sides, uh, very humble. And we need to really tell what's going on. You are satisfied, not so satisfied. And, and we are talking about business relationships it's not about i like you i don't like you mm. it is just hey the brief i mean the document you are showing me now or the creative idea i don't like it 
Hmm. And, and then I will tell you why. And then the agency should say, oh, yeah, you're right. Uh, we could have done a little bit better. I never thought about that. Uh, good point. Let me rework. And, and sometimes agencies are just like, oh, what I'm showing you is the best. There is no way we will change it. We have been thinking about it for more than uh, two weeks. We had a big creative team working on it. This is the best we are recommending for you. Uh, come on. I mean, you cannot talk like that. Hmm. And um, so for me, feedback, it hmm. has to be given all the time. And you should not only rely on the so-called um yearly uh, agency assessment review. you need both mm. you, you need the yearly review mm -hmm. that one is what i call kind of fact driven um, and uh, this is a global assessment but in addition to that you need this qualitative exchange sure. all the time really interesting you you mentioned a little earlier that sometimes agencies can be expensive um, and that actually you're not really sure sort of what you're paying for w with those larger agencies. Talk a little bit about how do you know whether your marketing budget is working as hard as you are? Uh, and how do you know that you're not overpaying for agency services? So typically you look at the price when things do not work. Interesting. So okay. it, it, if, if things are working, then you are quite happy. Mm. And um, because in marketing, we are not measured on, on what we do right. We are measured on, on what we do wrong. So <laughs> this is like electricity. You, you, when you enter into a room, sure. you never say, wow, cool, I have light today. The electricity is working, great. <laughs> yeah, but when it is not working, you it's are a complaining. Huh? Sure. Why do I pay taxes and this and that? So yeah. the, the agency, it's a little bit the same. However, price-wise, you 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 quickly can 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 get the feel if you overpay because of course you can compare with other agencies that mm -hmm. you worked with in the past. Mm -hmm. um, you can always do some benchmarking informally, um, and also it it is what is written on the bill. Uh, that is important for me because if I understand all the lines on the bill, each of them has a meaningful name um, and the amounts are reasonable versus the salaries I pay to, to my employees, then I'm fine. And um, sometimes you have, uh, you have agencies, they, they send you an invoice, you have three lines where you need to go into Google search to understand what does it mean. Mm. And then when you go to the real meaning, it is kind of, wow, funky acronyms that agencies are very good at inventing. <laughs> mm -hmm. And this is not for any work that was done. It is to pay for the huge infrastructure they have, the beautiful uh, buildings <laughs> and uh, right. the, uh, the, uh, the annual holidays. The events they do sure. in, in, the, in the weekends. Yeah. So, <laughs> I have worked with very expensive agencies. Um, sometimes it can be worth doing so, but it has to be for a very, very, very important project. Eventually, it's worth to try. But very honestly, the best agencies I worked with, they were uh, quite small and not so expensive. I don't think that you you need to 
to pay a lot for good ideas. Really interesting. Let's talk a little bit about B2B marketing, because you mentioned earlier that it's important for you to work with a B2B marketing agency who is a specialist. Now, we've seen over the years the importance of content marketing and thought leadership as a way to position uh, the brand and sort of drive leads. We're seeing more and more the importance of marketing automation and, and the technology stacks to help marketers do their jobs better. What trends are you seeing in what the best B2B brands are doing to A, differentiate themselves in the market and, and really drive performance? So, so marketing uh, automation, for me, it's a little bit of, uh, of a buzzword. Uh, it is not new. I have seen it uh, very often. But we need to appreciate what marketing automation means. I mean, if you believe in a world where everything is automated, you go the wrong way. So what is important, it is the messages that you are passing uh, from humans to humans, specifically in, in B2B. And um, we all dream about automation, um, but for communication, I don't believe so much in automation. Interesting. Uh, but if behind the word automation, you put easy access to information between the clients and the agency, yes, that is important. Uh, so we, we need to, to, to define what automation means. Uh, for me, automation, it means to work effectively mm-hmm. and uh, in a repeatable manner. So... That's for me what is what is critical, but campaigns where everything is managed by a computer, uh, I don't really see that as being realistic. I know that maybe in B2C mm-hmm. this is different, but in B2B uh, I have not seen it. Mm. We are eventually dreaming about it. At <laughs> least some clients, some agencies. I had some managers discussing it in the past with me but myself my own experience it has that we need to automate few things mm-hmm. yes but don't dream about having everything uh, and then you fully fully automated sure. it will never happen you can't automate human to human interaction and empathy at the end of the day um, that's something that can't be automated. And and also, just, just a final point on that, so many automation uh, people that use automation are using them as glorified email marketing tools and not using the full yeah. capability also. So I, um, I, I definitely agree with you there. Talk a little bit about, we're, we're just getting towards the end of, of the interview now, and I'm going to ask you uh, a few questions at the end of our speed round, which are slightly more personal questions. Um, so I'm really excited to ask you a few of those questions. But a couple more questions just, just before we end. Um, talk about some of the other, either B2B brands that you admire that are doing a really good job as far as uh, content, thought leadership, uh, differentiating themselves in the market. Whether they are B2B or actually consumer brands, talk about some of the other brands that you admire and that think you think are doing a really good job. So for me, the brands that are doing a good job, they are, they are the ones that are not using buzzwords. They are not mm-hmm. doing blah, 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 <laughs> blah. They, they have a very crisp and clear 
product value proposition, um, and 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 they have innovative products. They they bring something to the party. Uh, so it is a combination of the product and how is the product communicated. So good marketing, good agencies can't help a bad product to 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 sell. That that's what I have been also learning. Uh, over the past so that's the way I, I see it and of course there are very nice brands that I uh, that I am uh, that I like um, but most of them they did great products mm. really interesting create the great product first and the marketing will take care of itself uh, and they had clarity on 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 what was the great product. So given my age, mm. a brand like Sony, when mm. I was a bit younger, mm -hmm. I mean, wow, Sony, it was the best you could get for uh, amplifiers and, and things like that. Yeah. And uh, and for loudspeakers, still talking about music. I mean, 100%. Altec Lansing, mm -hmm. they, in the US, they, they did also a very good job. And for the automotive industry, uh, I mean, for me, Mercedes-Benz, they, they always had great, great uh, innovations, great cars, very good products, and their communication was uh, was quite nice. Okay, sometimes they went down the hill, they maybe they changed agency, <laughs> but the, you know, the, the product and, and uh, the marketing, it goes together. Hmm. Really, really interesting. Francois, we're just getting towards the end of our interview now. Let's get into our speed round. Um, so I'm going to fire some questions at you. And if you could fire some short, sharp question uh, responses back, that would be absolutely fascinating. When, when it comes to BOPS and the future of sustainability, what are you most optimistic about and what are you least optimistic about? So I'm, I'm quite optimistic that uh, brand owners, uh, we will design products in a different way and they will pay more attention to the packaging so because that's at the end brand owners they need to take their responsibilities and i'm quite convinced that they they will do it but consumers need to continue to put tremendous pressure on them hmm. really interesting what what changes have you seen in what agency what brands now expect from their agency and actually what agencies now expect from their from their clients so brands i think they expect from the agency to to help them to to simplify and and to only work on things that matter because marketing wise these days you can do so many things Everything is possible, almost. The question is, it's not because it's technically possible that you should do it. So an agency should help clients to say, hey, among all these things, you should focus on A and C and F. Hmm. That's what I recommending you according to the objectives you want to achieve. And that's what... I am expecting from an agency to, to tell me, hey, of course I can do everything from you, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, but if you do only these three things, it will help you to fix your problems. Hmm. With, with all the success that you've had in your career, Francois, from all of the uh, amazing companies that you've worked with, what, what keeps you up at night now? What do you, what do you worry about? So, 
I worry about the, the, the balance between uh, rich people, poor people, the globalization. Mm. Uh, I like to, to see more humanity uh, in what we do, uh, the way we work, so more proximity. Um, that's what I would like to, to see more. Uh, maybe I am a dreamer. Uh, and then from... Uh, you and me both. <laughs> from... Uh, business standpoint i mean i'm, I'm clearly dreaming of uh, having less bureaucracy mm-hmm. and uh, more trust really really fascinating last last couple of questions what what what's the single most important thing well what do you actually love about working with agencies and what's the main thing that you actually dislike about working with agencies so what i like working with agencies it's to to have them Helping me to to sharpen uh, my, my product uh, value proposition to help me uh, be more effective and um, to to I, I see them as an extension of my team to mm-hmm. to give me more cap more capabilities. Mm-hmm. Really, really interesting. And and my last question, Francois. What's the single biggest thing that you have yet to achieve that you would really like to achieve in your career? Oh, the biggest things I have uh, yet to achieve. I mean, uh, so far I, I'm quite happy with what I have done and I think it will probably stay with that. I, I like having people telling me that I was a, a great manager, a nice guy, and I also like agencies telling me I was uh, easy to, to work with, uh, I was uh, approachable, uh, I was open. So for me, the, these human values are uh, the foundation of uh, what I do uh, every day and Thank not necessarily the amount of products that I have been uh, selling at the end. Absolutely fascinating. Francois, thank you so much for being on, on client side. Thank you very much, Nathan, for for your time. I've really enjoyed it. If you'd like to share any comments on this episode or any episode of ClientSide, then find us online at fox.agency. If you'd like to appear on the show, please email millie at fox.agency. The people that make this show possible are Millie Bell, our booker slash researcher, Paul Blanford, our creative director, Ben Fox is our executive producer, I'm Nathan Annie Barber, and you've been listening to Client Side from Fox Agency. Join us next time on Client Side, brought to you by Fox Agency.